A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to yet another exciting edition uh, of Plank of the Week. This, I'm hoping, will be the last one that we do uh, in podcast version because I'm hoping that next week we're going to be able to reopen uh, the TV studio so we'll be all uh, in glorious video. But I'm delighted to say I'm joined by, by one... I don't want to make this sound bad, Dawn, but a veteran of Plank of the Week, Dawn Neeson. I think you may have been on this more than anybody else in the history of Plank of the Week. I'm the ultimate Plank of the Week. Thank you, Well, Mike. listen, welcome. Nice we'll we'll tell the people why you might be Plank of the Week later, but, but we're also... Uh, joined by Patrick Christie's, who was a very popular uh, addition when he was added to the team. Patrick, welcome once again, uh, and thanks for joining us. Cheers, my mate. How are you? I'm very well indeed, although I was just explaining to Dawn that I had thought about nominating myself for Plank of the Week because by accident I managed to buy some non-alcoholic wine. Uh, and when I got it home, I couldn't quite believe how good it tasted until I saw that it was non-alcoholic. And then it started to taste awful. So I'm gonna, I think I'm going to donate it to uh, the sink and just pour it down the sink. Uh, Dawn suggested I put some vodka in it, but uh, we shall see. Dawn, you've done your own uh, Plank of the Week exercise this week, haven't you? Yes, thank you very much. At least yours involves wine. Mine involves floor polish, which <laughs> is the least sexy thing ever. Yeah, bust the floor, wooden floor, solid wooden floor, walked across it barefoot slid over, cracked my head open, and I now look like the Bride of Frankenstein. Dear me. I I probably did in the first place, but I look even more like the Bride of Frankenstein. (laughs) That's dreadful. Well, listen, let's get straight to it, because there's been plenty of plankery this week, uh, and particularly over the past weekend. Uh, Let's kick things off. Patrick, who's your first nominee? Well, I'm going for Sadiq Khan, the Mayor of London. I had to check that Sadiq Khan wasn't in a coma, actually, because he's been absent pretty much since his election, as far as I can tell. But um, specifically with this one, you know, he was in favour of the protests that have been taking place uh, across London. Um, but then he also simultaneously tweeted asking people to be aware of social distancing, um, which I thought was, was pretty <laughs> blanket. Um, he, was, he was very silent about the, the fact that 27 police officers were injured in a single day in what the BBC amazingly called a largely peaceful demonstration. Well, I think that's like saying I had a largely peaceful drive up the M1. I mean, apart from that brief window of time when I wrote my car off. Yes. Um, well, it did so- create quite a lot of funny uh, suggestions, did it not, on, uh, on Twitter, where people were saying that the Titanic had made a largely safe journey across the Atlantic until the time that it hit the iceberg uh, and, and all that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Omaha Beach was largely peaceful just until they started shooting. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so so look, I'm not quite sure what the point of Sadiq Khan as, as mayor is. He's the master of the flimsy response. He, he cannot simultaneously claim to care about the lives of black people while doing absolutely nap all about knife and violent crime, the epidemic that has plagued this city, which unfortunately disproportionately affects members of the BAME community. He, he can't claim to care about upholding law and order and not care about, you know, dozens of police officers getting hurt. And, and he certainly can't claim to care about coronavirus because uh, he's, he's acknowledging that these people are just flouting social distancing laws. So I think it's fair to say the only person that Sadiq Khan cares about is probably Sadiq Khan. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, Dawn, you've had uh, a reason to probably uh, 
time uh, nominates Sadiq Khan in the past. There's so many things you could you could nominate him for. I mean, I would nominate him for pulling up the congestion charge again as well. Oh, totally. I mean, he's just a plank every week in my book. I can, can not agree with Patrick Moore on him. Um, and he's just like... You know, you know, what really annoys me is there are kids being nice, literally on my doorstep because I live in East London, um, and he does nothing about that. But then he's going to review all the historical statues and road names across the country. Now, you ask the parents of a kid that's been stabbed, you know, whether it mattered to them what the road was called, and they're going to look at you like you're absolutely mad. I know. Kids killing each other out. I know. Yeah, and also, as I said on the radio this week, the point about Sadiq Khan is that he's a bit like a football manager. You know, he's running London because he was elected to do so, but he's not in charge of London. He's not the king of London. He's not able to do whatever he likes with London because London is the capital city of the United Kingdom. So it's none of his business, really, what the statues are or what the roads are called. He's only there for a short period of time and he should, he should treat it with a bit more respect, I oh. think. Unbelievable. Right. Tell us, uh, tell us, Dawn, who your first one is. Right, OK, well, my first one, I think, is going to be the BBC. Yes. I know it's not a person, but it sort of feels like a person in the amount of sheer plankery that they produce, honestly. <laughs> it's just incredible. Um, obviously, this week, they have been telling us, as Patrick pointed out just now, that the mostly peaceful... Black Lives Matter protests in London um, really were, were quite nice. No one really got upset or hurt. Well, hold on a minute. 62 police officers were hurt in that, including that poor mounted policewoman who ended up in hospital with um, a, a, a punctured lung, a broken ribs, a fractured collarbone, and, and because of the violence that went on at that. Now, Mike, I had to actually start watching Australian TV to find out what was going on in London where I live because the BBC were just showing me stuff that they wanted me to see. Now, to a certain extent, I get the point of not encouraging further violence because some people think, oh, well, let's go and have another fight. Um, so I sort of get that. But however, censoring what is going on yes. for some weird political correctness that I I still don't understand because if we get if we need to get to the bottom of this problem, we need to be honest about what is happening. Black Lives Matter, the right to peacefully protest, ignoring the coronavirus social distance line, but the right to peacefully protest is so important. And these idiots that are ruining it for everybody of all colours is we, we need to know about them. We need to be told and we need to do something about it. Yes. And, and the BBC trying to censor this, is ju it just makes me sick, to be honest with you. Yeah, I know. They don't seem to just have an opportunity to get it right and then they just get it wrong every single time. And they don't seem to have a clue as to why they're even getting it wrong. You know, it, it beggars belief to me that such a well sort of organised and supported organisation, which does have lots of very sensible people in it, can be so ridiculously plankish when it comes to news judgment. They just don't seem to have a clue. And an awful lot of people complained as well that, uh, you know, they had to look on social media to see what was actually happening on the march. And I don't think it's anything to do with the fact that, you know, they don't want to encourage other people. Because I think we're well beyond now the point where people go, oh, I can't wait to get home and see myself on the 6 o'clock news. Because they're not on the 6 o'clock news. They've been on Twitter for four hours, you know? Well, yeah, there is that. I mean, everyone is filming everything. Thankfully, um, we did get to see it. But, you know, there were, there, were, there, were, there were heroes in this as well. There was one brilliant little girl. She was only a young woman. And she was standing in front of the baying mob of idiots yeah. who are mostly older than her and mostly male going, stop this. Stop the violence. Stop mm. throwing things at the police. We are here to protest, protest 
legitimately about Black Lives Mattering. And this is undoing all the good work that has been done. So fair, I don't know who the little girl was, but, you know, fair dues to you, love. You did an amazing thing. Well, do you know, in the old days, when you and I were in newspapers, Dawn, we'd have gone to find her and we would have done a big piece on her. But nobody seems to do that anymore. No, I'm not know, quite I sure what's to. going on. No. But listen, um, I know, uh, Patrick, that you've got something to say about the BBC, but I'm going to just ask you to hold on to that for a minute because I'm going to do my first nominee because it's around the whole demo scenario. And mine is Barry Gardner, you know, a guy who used to be part of, unbelievably, the shadow cabinet under uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, fortunately, the one thing that Keir Starmer appears to have done with any great uh, ability in sense is not to give Barry Gardner any sort of position uh, in the shadow cabinet. But here's a guy uh, who basically chased uh, Dominic Cummings halfway round Westminster trying to make sure that he resigned for getting in a car and driving up to Durham. Uh, but he then decides to go and join uh, the Black Lives Matter march. I think it was on Wednesday, the one during the week, Wednesday. Uh, and his reasoning for doing so, despite the fact that he was not practising social distancing and that he knew that he might be uh, very possibly breaking the lockdown rules, he said, uh, by way of an explanation, uh, I've been tested and I tested negative. <laughs> you know, you would think that uh, somebody like Barry Gardner might understand that the science of coronavirus is that, yes, if you test negative, that means you don't have the virus when you are tested. It does not mean you don't have the virus tomorrow. Uh, it does not have, uh, mean that you don't have the virus an hour after you were tested negative. And he showed such an, a complete and utter ignorance of the subject that you really worry about a man like that walking around on his own, Patrick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think he's, there's a, a very unfortunate quality about Barry Gardner that makes him look like he sleeps upside down in a cocoon. But um, <laughs> he, he has, this, he has this, this, this same thing that a lot of these, in my opinion, probably quite faux lefties have. It's, it's up there with Ed Davies' infamous Bacon Ramadan tweet, where you know he feels the desperate need to go and just qualify to everyone that he's not got a racist bone in his body and he has to go to this Black Lives Matter thing and he has to tweet about it. And in actual fact, I don't think many people cared that he was there. And I think at best, it's quite a desperate clutch at relevance for a bloke who, frankly, is a bit like chopped liver these days, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. What's your second one, Patrick? Uh, well, I'm, I, it's BBC theme, but it's specifically Emily Maitlett mm. this time. Um, so she's capable of being a very good journalist, obviously. Her interview with Prince Andrew was almost as revealing as, of course, the Duke himself was accused of being from time to time. Yeah. Um, but fair you know given his responses it was probably a bit like taking candy from a giant deluded royal baby but anyway uh, the only thing worse than than, than, than make this is news like being this kind of rabid lefty mouthpiece is if it's an inaccurate rabid lefty mouthpiece and <laughs> they published just straight up inaccurate data relating to the uk's daily coronavirus death rate and just presented it as facts but the reality is that data came from a group called worldometer which yeah. even wikipedia thinks even wikipedia thinks is too unreliable to use other sources. Mm. Uh, it said that the death rate was um, was, uh, was 359, whereas the rest of the EU, that was a daily rate, the rest of the EU 27 combined was 314. But it's just absolute nonsense. These people, different countries bracket their figures in, in different ways. They use different death tolls. They use different time frames, etc. So those figures, to be honest with you, Mike, were probably about as, about as useful as Alan Shearer's barber. <laughs> well, indeed. And as, as you were saying, Dawn, about the BBC, they, it's very, it becomes very clear when you start to look into it that there's a reason why they, 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 they have this bias against the government. It's because they don't like them. So they look for a story like that, uh, which basically makes the government look bad, without checking whether it's actually true. It's amazing, isn't it? It is, a, but the problem with the BBC, Mike, is we are paying them. We are paying them to do this, right? And they're, they're censoring stuff. They're using unreliable sources because they have an agenda, mm. and it's just like.
like, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't mind if it is an independent TV company. Yeah, go on, do whatever. You know, like the newspapers that you were talking about. Mm. You know, the, the Sun's going to do one story, the Guardian's going to do the same story, but put a completely different spin on it. Yeah. We don't pay the BBC to do that. We pay the BBC to give us the unvarnished facts. I mean, I, I like Emily Moniz. I think she's a great journalist. But, you know, spouting stuff that, you know, as Patrick said, even Wikipedia finds unreliable. I mean, it's a bit scary, isn't it? It really is. It really is. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's quite remarkable. Tell us about your uh, next one, Dawn. One is going to be Gavin Williamson. And a lot of people will be going, who, who? Because, <laughs> you know, he's not someone you automatically think of. However, he is the education secretary. Um, and he is expected, well, I think he is saying today, that he accepts that not all schools will be able to hit the target. And some pupils now, in fact, the majority of pupils, won't be going back to school until September. For God's sake, man. Get a grip. You are supposedly running this department. Kids need to be in school. I have no idea why the children in this country, like their counterparts across Europe, cannot now go back to school. And you know, Mike, the one thing that really annoys me about this is that it's kids, poorer kids, who are suffering. 700,000 state pupils are getting no home lessons. If they are left until September before going back to education, they will be so far behind their sort of better-off counterparts, they will never possibly catch up with them. And it's just heartbreaking. And, and that's before you even, in, even get to sort of like kids that are in abusive homes, where, you know, where they're, they're, they're living with parents who not only don't home educate them, but also suffer from drug and alcohol issues and, and violence. And it's heartbreaking. I just think, get a grip that this government has not covered itself in glory during coronavirus by any means, but on the schooling issue, there is no issue with kids going back to school. Force them back now.
All yeah. Well, listen, I think a lot of people would agree with that. I'm very much in favour of the one-metre rule instead of the two-metre rule yeah. as well. But I have to say, watching Gavin Williamson and Rebecca Long-Bailey uh, debating this in Parliament this week, you know, I wonder whether they're in charge of the education brief because they look like they should still actually be at school. Well, there I is mean, that as well, isn't Yeah, there? I, I mean, mean, Patrick's hardly Battle of the Titans, is it? <laughs> It's certainly not. No, I do wonder whether or not we're going to end up with this generation of COVID kits that you can just spot from a million miles away. <laughs> because they're, the ones, they're the ones who are 14 years old and they just still can't get the right shape into the right hole. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it does make me laugh, though, when some people go, uh, well, hey, look at Denmark. Look at Denmark. Yes, look at Denmark. It's got a, a, a pretty small population. The class sizes at the best of times in rural Denmark are about five. Like, of course they can go back. There's social distancing there by virtue of their geography and the fact that it's some kind of Arctic tundra. But, you know, here it's, it's not the same. But, yeah, we should get back at it, definitely. But there is a sense, like, genuinely, that teachers just aren't even being told what the plan is, probably because there isn't one. Yeah, no, I'm always cheesed off by people that want us to, to somehow compare ourselves with anywhere in Scandinavia because, one, it's a very, very rural part of the world. Two, hardly anybody lives there. Three, as you say, it is some kind of, you know, tundra uh, where, nothing, you know, nothing much grows. And I know that's a gross generalisation, but, you know, people used to come, when I lived in Glasgow, people used to come to Glasgow in Scotland from Scandinavia because it was so much cheaper to drink in Scotland, right? Now, I'm sorry, if it's that, that expensive to drink in Scandinavia, I'm never going there. It's as simple as that. <laughs> you bankrupted yourself within a day. You'd have not made it out of the airport. Yeah, exactly right. You've only had five pints and you've run out of holiday money already. So, Patrick, it's time for it's time for your... Uh, is it time for your number three? Uh, I think so. Have you, yeah, have you done your one? Oh, I haven't done my number two yet, have I? My number two uh, is going to be Anthony Joshua, right? Anthony Joshua, who took part in the uh, amazing Black Lives Matter rally in... Wait for it. Watford. Now, listen, I'm all for these marches being uh, being held. I'm all for people expressing their views. And, but do we really need to have them in places like Aylesbury, Watford? You know, these kind of rather small, what can only be described as kind of, you know, satellite towns to London. Um, but he made rather a ridiculous statement in which he said... And I think I know what he meant to say, but he kind of mangled it. He basically was trying to say that, you know, black communities need to help themselves. They need to be careful that, you know, what they do um, helps the community rather than hinders it. But he ended up saying, basically, what you shouldn't do is buy anything from a business that's owned by white people. And you should only buy things from businesses owned by black people, uh, which most of the people who, who witnessed it said... Well, that's great. Uh, he's sponsored by uh, Jaguar. He's sponsored by Land Rover. He's sponsored by Lynx. He's sponsored by Under Armour. Is he going to give up all this sponsorship money uh, from companies that are not owned by black uh, individuals? So, and I think he's done himself no good whatsoever because I, I saw an awful lot of reaction on uh, uh, on social media from people basically saying, well, we're never going to pay for another pay-per-view fight uh, with this guy because we think he's just being absolutely unreasonable. Patrick? Yeah, well, well it's, 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 I think this is probably the type of misguided comment that you get when you get punched in the head for a living, isn't it? But, um, you know, I, I thought he got the tone of it completely wrong. And I, I do think it's this kind of bandwagon element of, uh, uh, of celebrities and high-profile celebrities wanting now to get involved and be seen to be uh, involved as well. I mean, it was quite a silly comment, especially because his manager, of course, is, um, is Eddie Hearn, who yeah. is, is very white. So, I mean, presumably now he's going to have to, you know, ditch him as well. I, I don't know. It's, it just seemed like quite a self-defeating thing to say, really. It probably did more to drive communities apart and yes. bring them together. Well, that, that is the worry, isn't it? Tell us about your third one, Patrick. Right, rural litter bugs, OK? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really wound up about this, actually. So 
these are these idiots who, who think that they'll go and enjoy British beauty spots and then just leave all their litter and goodness knows what else behind. I, I typed in today on, on Google just before this now, uh, litter beauty spots, so into Google, and um, it's been happening everywhere. Suffolk, Essex, Lake District. But my favourite headline was this, from fire to faeces and litter. Okay, beauty spots battle with influx of poorly behaved visitors from fire to faeces. What do these people get up to? I mean... Look, I don't understand the logic of some people who think, right, I've been cooped up for months, been dreaming of the great outdoors, mm. let's go to North Yorkshire, enjoy the view, empty our picnic bags down a rabbit warren, defecate behind a bush, and then light a barbecue near some kindling. Yeah. I don't really get it. No, it's bizarre, isn't it? And, and I mean, some of the messes that we saw in the papers that were on the beaches a couple of weekends ago, Dawn, as well, absolutely horrendous. I, yeah, I, I, I do not understand. If you can take stuff there, you can remove it. But, you know, the, the thing is, we're opening beauty spots now, we're opening car parks, but we're not opening public loos. So yeah. what are people meant to do? I mean, we, I mean there's, there's no joint up thinking in a lot of the stuff we're doing at the moment, not just the schooling. And I take issue with you on that one, Patrick, because we're not just preparing uh-huh. schooling in this country with places like Denmark. Studies in Australia, big cities in Australia, have proved that kids going back to school, there is no harm whatsoever. So I do take issue there, young man. However, but the, oh, yeah, the little out, yeah, definitely. I think oh, we can all move, go along with please. that. Absolutely. What's your third one, Dawn? My third one is going to be Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, okay. You know, What's he been up to? Harry Potter. Well, basically, um, I'm no great fan of hers either, but J.K. Rowling tweeted at the weekend about sort of like women and um, she sort of like said, you know, there was, a, there was a story about sort of like, you know, people who menstruate and she tweeted, what, you mean like women? And yeah. obviously calling anyone a woman these days is, is a transphobic hate crime. Yeah, evidently. of course. Um, now, so Daniel Radcliffe, in his infinite wisdom as an actor, um, decided to have a go at J.K. Rowling and saying, yeah, she is being transphobic, she shouldn't do that, and I hope that it doesn't taint the Harry Potter um, series of books and films. Well, you hope it doesn't because it affects how much you earn, doesn't it, you irritating little twit. So, <laughs> um, in any case, he's jumped in on the transgender bandwagon and he's saying that, you know, transgender women are women. Um, well, what would you know? You're an actor, you read lines that J.K. Rowling, who is a woman, and I'm sorry, that is not an offensive word, women are women, um, you know, she writes the lines... You read them out, that made you famous, back in your box, wizard boy. Yes, exactly right. There's no magic wand for this one, matey. I mean, (laughs) you'd think some of these people would know better. But the trouble is, I think they're surrounded all the time now by... James Corden's another one who made another great sort of meaningful speech instead of remembering that he's meant to be a comedian, you know. And they get so full of themselves that they think everybody cares what they actually think, when really nobody does. I mean, I quite like the Harry Potter films. My kids quite like them. But, you know, Daniel Radcliffe doesn't really need to give me... any advice on how to conduct my life or how to talk to people uh, or how indeed uh, to do anything. But of course his, he would then say, well why am I allowed to give my opinion? Well you can, but the problem is is that whenever you do give it, uh, it gets amplified to some ludicrous extent doesn't it? It does. Well, and stop lecturing me as a woman on what I think about being a woman. Thank yes. you very much. Yes, that's definitely not, not not necessary. Now, we're coming near the end here, so we've got a pretty good collection of, uh, of planks already. I'm going to do my third one, which is a woman by the name of Hannah Jane Parkinson. Now, I hadn't heard of this woman before. Apparently, she writes for The Guardian, um, but it's all also to do with what happened over the weekend. And in the evening uh, of the, uh, the horse bolting in Downing Street and the woman, and it's a terrible piece of footage. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, The woman police officer basically hitting 
um, a lamppost or a traffic light or something and being poleaxed into the ground, right? She decided it was a great idea uh, to put out a tweet in which apparently this is some kind of a meme for people of a certain age uh, that can we see um, basically a repeat of this, a kind of a, um, a loop of this woman hitting the traffic light uh, to the tune of Hollaback Girl um, by the woman who used to be in No Doubt, right? That, uh, that band uh, that, that used to be quite successful. I don't know the song Hollaback Girl, um, I'm afraid, so I can't speak for whether that was funny or not funny. Um, but she took a hell of a lot of a battering on Twitter, quite rightly, because, of course, it turns out that the police officer in question was quite badly injured, has mm. got a punctured lung, is lying in hospital probably even now, trying to recover from a whole series of injuries, including a few broken ribs. By explanation, like a lot of these people, she didn't really apologise for it. She apologised to the people who thought that she had upset them. She didn't really apologise for saying it. She said, I knew that the officer in the incident was not severely injured because there was no reports that they had been. Now, call me old-fashioned, Dawn, but if you're a journalist, don't you think you should check that yourself rather than wait to see if there are any reports? She says uh, this was confirmed a short time later by the Metropolitan Police account saying she was being treated for non-life-threatening injuries. And you go, well... Okay then, so she's not dead, so you can make a joke about it. Yeah, I mean it was it was seriously not funny, and you know the whole violence directed towards the police is, mm. has been appalling and shocking, and you know that that plot that poor uh, policewoman on that horse was just you know a punctured lung. You know it's it's fairly life threatening, isn't it? And you know this is this Hannah was probably watching the BBC to get her information, wasn't she? So therefore, oh, yes. not life threatening. All quite peaceful. Nothing really bad happened. Everyone had a big hug, which is illegal, and then went home nicely. No, they didn't, Hannah. But it was just not funny. And I'm not familiar with that song either, but it doesn't actually matter. And she, signed, she signed off her rather pathetic apology with these words, I'm sorry and I long for a less trash world, which apart from anything else is incredibly bad English for somebody who claims to be a writer by trade, Patrick, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, part of me wants to just give people like her what they want for a little bit, which I'm assuming is total anarchy because they don't seem to like the police. They seem to, you know, be in favour of, uh, of anything anti-police. But, you know, if we did that, it, I reckon it would be like an hour before they're all just walking around naked by a loincloth fighting each other for scraps of food outside of burning little. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, these would be the first people uh, that would be uh, be having a problem if, if the feral brigade suddenly started taking over their towns uh, and their coffee shops and their, you know, spice lattes and suddenly they'd be going, oh, we, we can't go get our coffee, we need the police to escort us. You know, and yet they think it's very cool mm. uh, to make fun of a police officer injured. Mm. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, we have reached uh, the final nine. Uh, I will, of course, carry one over from last week. I'm not sure who it will be. Uh, I, I, it may be that Harry and Meghan get given a, a free pass this week. They haven't done anything particularly plankish. But let's do the uh, reduction now because we've got to get it down from three to one each. Dawn, why don't you pick your favourite one of mine, um, which is basically Hannah Jane Parkinson, Anthony Joshua uh, or Barry Gardner? Oh, blimey. Um, it's a tough one this week, isn't it? I am going to go with... Barry Gardner, I think. So Barry Gardner becomes the nominee. Yeah. Um, Patrick, why don't you choose your favourite one of Dawn's? And and Dawn's got... Um, what, have, what have you got, Dawn? You've got uh, the BBC. Yeah, You've got Daniel da Radcliffe. Yes. And, um, oh, what's his name again? Oh, Gavin Williamson. The Gavin Williamson, yes. Which one do you want to pick, Patrick? I think I'm going to go for the BBC. You made a you made a cracking point about that. Popular choice, very popular choice. Mm. And then I'm going to pick your favourite, my favourite of yours, Rural Litterblugs, Emily Maitlis uh, and Sadiq Khan. I think it's got to be Sadiq Khan, isn't it? 
agree. I mean, I he does win. He does win this competition quite a lot, um, and he <laughs> and he does get plank of the month quite a lot. So we've now got final three: Sadiq Khan, Barry Gardner, BBC. One of them has to go. So we get down to the final two. Which one do you think has to go? I would suggest Barry Gardner since he's such a non-entity. I, yeah, I mean, Mike, I hate to, I hate to agree with you, but I'm I'm going to go for Barry Gardner as well. Okay, so, so the mm-hmm. final between Sadiq Khan and the BBC. This is going to be tough. This is tough. Oh God. Um, oh. Does, does, does Sadiq Khan work for the BBC? Can we lump them together? Well, he's on the BBC quite a lot. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> come on talk radio. <laughs> he won't come talk to you. I can't think why. No. Um. Mm. Actively more damaging this week. I would suggest probably Sadiq, maybe. Okay. Yes, I think I think uh, I think all told, I think Sadiq Khan yeah. wins, doesn't he? Yeah. Because it's the congestion charge, it's the statues, and it's yeah. the nonsense about the marching and the, and the protests. I think I think it's hands down for Sadiq. I think so too. I mean, I must. I was going to nominate him before Patrick nicked him off me. So I think it has to be Sadiq. I think he gets to keep the trophy now. It's been like the Jules Rimet scenario. Um, <laughs> he's definitely won it more than three times, guys. Thank you very much indeed, Norlees and Patrick Christie's uh, plank of the week this week. Sadiq Khan. <laughs> 